well, good morning. I haven't been up here for a little while. I don't remember the last time I was up here. It was last month, though, I think, sometime. Yeah, but maybe mid-sometime. Mid but, um, but anyway, <laughs> mid-sometime last month. But uh, it's great to see all of these uh, smiling faces. We will, we will ruin that this morning. So, no, <laughs> no I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, no, but uh, so, um, you know, as you're putting a message together, you know, as I'm putting a message together, you know, sometimes I go um, different directions. And I, I, was, uh, I was in the process of putting a message together on envy, the different aspects of envy. There's like two faces of envy and, and the relationship that envy has, the self-control and what happens with that. But um, and just, I just wanted to get into some of, the, some of the, the gospel stuff. So I was like, let me, let me see if I can just dig out some treasure out of God's word here and just go through some of the gospel stuff. You know, so Luke. So we're, we're in Luke. Before I start though, I wanted to uh, invite every person. I don't know whoever came out the last time we did the what is a woman thing. It was pretty good. There were a number of people out. We're going to be doing the counterculture thing once a month from now on with the hopes that more people can, can make it. It's kind of more of a special event. And we are going to be doing a game. It's the second week of December, second Friday of December. And we're going to be doing a game. Next week, I'm going to be handing out uh, papers for everybody who comes in with a bunch of scripture verses on it. And the game is going to be this. Are these scriptures for just the apostles? Or are these scriptures for the church in general? And I think that's going to be good because it's, it, the goal is that we take those verses, we go home and we study them. We go through, who is Jesus talking to here? Or who is, like, how do, we, how do we determine those things, first of all? When we see a passage, how do we determine? Is that, is that for me? Or is that, was he just talking to them? You know, so, and I think it's good because it helps us with our context. It helps us with rightly dividing the word. And so I would encourage you guys to come out, build a case for whatever your position is on these scriptures, and let's have a good discussion about it. So that'll be... Um, what day is that? What date is that? That's like the, well, two Fridays. So that's the, no, no, I don't think it's the 8th, is it? It's the 8th? Okay, so the 8th, um, come out. Yeah, come out. All right, good job. <laughs> um, yeah, right? <laughs> Let's throw it out there, you know. I think it's the 8th. It's inspiration. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so I'd encourage people to come out. That, like, that's a good challenge, I think. And it's good for us because our goal is to, to um, have sound doctrine, right? We want to build our lives on sound doctrine. That's, that's so important for us because we could be grabbing onto and applying things that just don't apply to us, you know, in the scripture. Just because it's written and we read it doesn't necessarily mean that that specific thing is written to me. You know what I'm saying? Everybody? Everybody's so quiet today. All right, you didn't have to stop smiling already. Um, <clears throat> so I want to invite people out to that. So um, let's get into the message. The name of the message is The Approach and Follow-Through of Our Life in Christ. It's a good Puritan, you know, title. That's what I'm going for, you know, going for those long Puritan titles. Um, but Approach and Follow-Through of Our Life in Christ. It's Luke 18, 9 through 27. And if, 
if we have our Bibles, let's open them up to Luke 18, 9 through 27. Um, before we get started in that, let's, uh, let's lift this up to the Lord. Um, Lord, I just, uh, I just praise you for this opportunity to be in your house today with brothers and sisters. And Lord God, I pray that we can all learn from your word today so that we can just be as effective as possible for your purpose, for your plan, for what you've saved us for, for what you've called us to, the work that you've done in us, the the reason for giving us your spirit, Lord, the reason for giving us your word. I pray that we can, we can, um, that we can just, we can just really dig into it and gain the things that we need to honor and glorify you in every area, every bit of our lives, in our words, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our motives, in everything, Lord, that we would, we would see you as, uh, we would see you as magnified above all things. So I praise you, Father. I thank you for the, uh, again, for this opportunity. I pray that, um, that your word would just be, would go out and be um, presented well. That it would be, that, I, that you would help me to not dishonor your word at all today, Lord God. And that we would all receive it and, and grow by it. So I praise you, Father. I thank you so much. And lift this up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, Luke 18, 9 through 27. <clears throat> He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up in the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter, uh, and Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in the t- this time and in the age to come eternal life. 
Now this passage is a pretty long passage. It could be broken up to really, each one of those uh, stories or parables could be broken up into a message all by itself. But as I was going through it and I was studying it, um, I, I was like, these, these three attitudes or things that Jesus is touching on here in these three stories really are three necessary traits that everyone has to have to just come to Christ. But they're also three necessary traits that have to remain in us as we walk with Christ. These traits don't change. So, and, and there's a reality to, um, to us having the mentality as Christians sometimes that, you know, and I, I bring this up fairly often, but I'm saved, so therefore I'm okay. You know, and those things don't matter anymore. But those things do matter. You know, all of these attitudes are key attitudes to our walk with Christ. So we, we can approach him. We have to have these attitudes or these positions or postures to approach Christ in the first place. But these postures, these attitudes, these positions have to remain in us so that we can receive the grace that we need to grow in Christ. You understand what I'm saying? Um, hopefully. Hopefully. All right. So... That's why it's called the approach and follow through. So let's examine these first of all. So let's go through the first one. So I have the three different points for Aaron. I have three points for Aaron. Um, <laughs> um, so the first, the first thing that we would examine is that nine through 14, <clears throat> where these two men come to the temple to pray and the Pharisee is there and he's just, he's in a position where he's saying how good I am that I'm not like the other, other men. I'm not like other men, you know? And, uh, and it's such a terrible place to be. It's a self-righteous place where he's looking at them himself and he's saying, look how good I am. Now, the Pharisees, though, if you understand the history of who they are, really, they were a sect in the Jewish culture that they, they, there was a strict observance to the law. And with this strict observance to the law, you see throughout the, the Gospels when Jesus is talking to them, how many times he really is saying, you, you are focused on all of these things, but you miss the important parts. You know, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You're concerned about the letter without the spirit of the law. And we have evidence of that when we see when Jesus is talking about the greatest commandments, and we'll get into that. But these were strict um, observers of the law. Um, other gospels say in this passage that he prayed to himself, which is a very interesting statement, right? You know, he's, he's in the temple and he's just like, ah, oh, man, I'm so glad I'm not like these guys. Look, I follow these rules and I'm good, but he's got no life. He's got no life because that kind of attitude can't receive grace and grace is necessary for life. He says, um, that he's not like other men, but he really is, right? Everyone, um, the sin, sin is common to man. Like we all struggle with things. So having a self-righteous attitude, you can't come to Christ that way. First of all, look at what I've done. Look how good I am. You can't approach him that way and you can't live that way. You can't live your Christian walk that way. Look at my good works. I'm saved, but oh, I got all these good works now. You know, 
because that is, it's the same position. It's the same position because what that does, it tends to do, is it causes you to look at the other people and say, I'm so much better than them. What a terrible place to be, and we don't want to be there. Um, so on what basis do we come to God bringing anything but a humble and contrite heart? We have no basis for anything else. The humility is the beginning. In James 4, 6, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the, the proud but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 15, 25, the Lord tears down the house of the proud but maintains the widow's boundaries. He tears down the house of the proud. How, think about how, what a position you're in. If you're proud, you have the almighty God going like this, opposing you. What a terrible place. Why does he hate pride so much? I was thinking about that. Like, what is the thing of pride that he hates so much? And it's a, an arrogance. It's a complete opposition to God and saying, I don't need you. I'm good. I'm good. It's the same attitude if we come to Christ trying to work our way into the kingdom. That same attitude, I can do these things, that's good. You know, those things are good. And it's going to buy me my way in. It doesn't work like that. It's only by God's grace that we can enter. And it's only by God's grace that we can produce good fruit. That we can produce the, the necessary things. It's, it's not us uh, holding our works up high and saying, look how good we are. But it's going, it comes right back to the beginning. Who's the one who works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure? It's God. It's his grace that causes the work. It's, he's the, for a, this was an insurance term. He's the proximate cause. He's the beginning of it all. He's the one who starts the work. He's the one who finishes the work. He's the one who's working in us to, to uh, sanctify us and make us holy. It's his work. It's not us putting on these things and then lifting ourselves up and boasting in how good I am and look how bad they are. We can't come to Christ that way and we can't live that way. Now this is like, I'm looking at extremes right now, you know, but I tell you, I think that if we really look within ourselves, we'll find this kind of attitude. We'll find these kind of things going on in our heads, you know, and like somebody will say something and it's like, ah, you know, I can't believe they're thinking that way. Like, I would never think like, you know, it's like th those things are there. Well, what's our right posture, though? Our right posture is the tax collector's posture. Now, at the time, just a little history, tax collectors at the time, a lot of you people, a lot of you folks probably know this, but um, they were, they were um, Jewish usually Jewish, like um, contracted with Rome to collect taxes from their own people. So they weren't looked upon very well. You know, they were, they were seen as traitors to the Jewish people. So it's not a good place to be. But his approach was right. Have mercy on me. It says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That is how you approach Almighty God in the first place, right? Have mercy on me, O oh God, a sinner. And that is how we live our walk. 
have mercy on me. Now we can get into all of the, you can get into some serious weeds going down into like what, um, not weeds, it's probably good things, but, but getting into um, whether we're sinners now, if we've been redeemed, all that kind of stuff. But the attitude is right. Have mercy on me, God. Because who am I? Who am I to come to God with any boast? To come to God with anything? To bring to him, to show him how good I am? We're not there. We can't approach him that way and we can't live that way in Christ. Um, we must, must approach God in humility. And our, if we're trusting in our good works to garner favor with God, it's meaningless because it's God who works in us. It's God who does the work. And it's not to say like we just forget about good works. We can't do that in Christ. It doesn't work like that. He causes us to desire him, causes us to desire to please him. He causes us to want to do the things that honor our God. Um, and uh, so we can't come to God this way and we can't live out our Christianity this way. Must always understand that it is God's grace through His Spirit that is sanctifying us. Our good works are not what make us Christians. Because we can be caught up in that kind of mindset, I think. I know I have. And trying to figure out, like, you know, well, these people, I mean, they live like Christians, they do the good things. But it doesn't mean their life is, like, it doesn't mean they're new doesn't mean they're regenerate. doesn't mean that they're, they're born again. We can put those things on, like the Pharisee, right? Oh, I did all these things. But it means nothing. Our good works are the fruit of his work in us. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, not our good works. 1 Corinthians six eleven, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your, make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will, excuse me, surely do it. The God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Like that should be our, our prayer. God, sanctify me. Make me what you want me to be. If we trust in our good works to be the thing that justifies us before God, then we are in the same place as the Pharisee. Um, and like I said, we don't want to conflate this with bearing good fruit. You know, we're called to good fruit. If there is no fruit or bad fruit, then there's no attachment to the true vine. You know, like if there's no desire to please God, there's no spirit causing a desire to please God. There's no life there. You're not attached to the true vine. If we're attached to the true vine, the fruit, the thing that causes the fruit to, to well up and grow from us is the root. It's the vine. It's Jesus. If we have Jesus, we desire to please him. If we see no fruit in our own lives, if we don't see a desire to want to do the things that please God, we have to really think, am I in the vine? Am I, in, am, I, am I getting what I need from the source? Am I attached to the source? And if not, we need to really rethink what this Christianity is that we're, we're getting hold of. 
Because Christianity is real new life in Christ. We attach, we're abiding in the vine. Produces the fruit that we want to see. Um, <clears throat> it's the focus, right? It's my desire to do the right things and my ability to do the right things is by God's grace through his spirit, not by myself. Otherwise, I could boast. You know, it's not my place to boast. If I boast, I boast in Christ. Paul is talking about the things that God is doing around. He goes through this whole passage. And um, I think it's 2 Corinthians. And he's talking about that. What he's boasting in is what God is doing. We should be doing the same thing. Let's boast in what God is doing. How God has changed my life. Let's boast in that. Jesus is the one. Uh, the Holy Spirit is working in us to do the things that please Him. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's in the saving and the working. It's God. In the saving and the working, it's God. It's his spirit in us. So that's number one, right? Having that posture, that, that attitude, not being self-righteous, not thinking that these things are the things that, that are um, producing the life, but it's God who produces the life. Um, so and we can go all different directions with some of these things, so you guys can you know, pick on this message later and tell me. Because you know, we can go all different. I, I, I get that. It's just where I want to go. And it's all about me. Um, no. <laughs> Forget all that I just said. No. <clears throat> so number two. Um, we have to approach like little children. Luke 18, 15 through 17. It says, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the, the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And there's a lot of different things you can do with that too. Um, what does it mean to look like a child? And there's a lot of, you know, I, I thought about a, a lot of the different aspects of that. Um, Matthew 18, 1 through 4 is another representation of this same thing it says uh, um, that at the at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven they were arguing who's the greatest like they wanted to be like you know well, what about me Peter you know I'm, of course I'm going to sit next to Jesus and, I, and they, we see this in uh, another place where they're they're like who's going to be seated at the right hand of, you know like I want to sit close to him and all this stuff and it's just all this this uh, kind of arrogant arguing and calling them a child he put him in the midst of them and said truly I say to you unless you turn and become like children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven so there's a humility aspect there also but there's Unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. We must approach God like a child. That's how we come to him. And so I want to break it down like this. this there's an aspect of this where we don't want to come to Christ in a self-seeking way. And Self-seeking being, what is, it, what is in this for me? 
It's the attitude of what is in this for me. We see that in the, a lot of times in a modern kind of gospel presentation. It's Jesus is going to take away your problems. He's going to fix your marriage. He's going to do these things. He's going to, and it's like, yeah, I'll give it a try. Let me, you know, I, I got a drug addiction. Let me try that out, you know? And it's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. It's about changing our life. Jesus says, if you love your life, you'll lose it, right? That's what it's about. He's calling them. When he made his call, he said, follow me. When he made his call, he said, whoever starts plowing and turns back is not worthy to be my disciple. This is heavy stuff. This isn't just, hey, what's in this for me? How can I get better? How can my, my life just feel better? How can you fix my problems? We have one problem. <laughs> we really have one big problem. is that we're dead without Christ. We have life in Christ. If you lose your life, you'll gain true life. That's the message. That's what we get. And if we come to him, with the attitude of, what do I gain? What do I get? You know, um, and, and we can, and, and it's not only coming to him. Again, this is the approach and the follow through. We can live our Christian lives that way. It's like, God, I've done these things. And we, we talk about this. It's like, God, I've done these things. How come this bad stuff is happening? What's going on? It's like, it's not about that. Has your life changed? Are you new? Do you have all the promises? All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. You have that? Then that's what it's about. That's what it's about. If my life goes down the tubes, okay. What am I going to, like, this isn't about me. It's not about what I want. I, if I'm coming on too harsh, I don't mean it because I'm preaching myself. To, <laughs> you know, so. Um, but, but for real. You know, so we can look at that and we need to remember that, in, like, so, so I was thinking about what it, what it was like, right, as, as a little kid. Now, growing up as a little kid, I had nothing. Like, we lived in squalor, pretty much. Like, there was nothing there. I didn't know it. When I was little, I didn't know it. I, there was no, like, all I knew was, I have, I have food. I have the things I need. Okay. Like, I'm not starving. You know, so, okay, great. So there was no, like, agenda. There was no presumption of what I should have. There was no looking at other people and going, how come they have that? And I don't, not till I got older, and then I wanted the new Air Jordans, you know. And uh, my, my, my uh, you know, my uh, breakdancing, you know, pants and stuff, you know. I used to breakdance. Not well. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Um, someday, maybe, no. <laughs> yeah. All right, clear this out. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so, um, so I had no agenda there. And we need to come to God in that kind of posture. We come to God in that posture. When I came to Christ, I thought about this. Where was I at? I was broken. I was in a place of, the one thing that I needed was I, I was insatiably needing. It wasn't what I wanted. It was what I insatiably needed. And when the gospel was presented to me, it was like, I got it. 
That was it. That was life in Christ. It wasn't a desire, I just want to get better, I, I need things fixed. It wasn't that. In our lives, again, we, we, can't, we have to be careful to not live that way. We need to be able to go to God and say, God, I trust you for whatever happens. I trust you for whatever situations. I trust you with my, my, um, my expectations. I, tr- I trust you with everything. We can know that our Father is good, and we can trust him with that. <clears throat> now, I'm not talking about, right, I'm not talking about presenting our requests to God. We're told to pray, pray without ceasing, pray in all things, um, all kinds of prayers, pray and seek him. Um, but what is his response? I like this, and I think this kind of, this doesn't sum up everything, but I think it helps a little bit. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God eliminates the anxiety of what we want or what we think should be happening. The peace of God is the answer there. It's not necessarily that he's going to change everything so that things work out good for you, but that He's going to give you the peace to understand that he is a faithful father. That's where we should be, I think. That's where our, uh, our position should be in our walk. And that's the right position for us to come to know him. It's a place of uh, no presumption and a place of total surrender. Um, we need to approach him this way and follow through this way. So and then we have the third thing. <clears throat> which is uh, Luke 18 through uh, Luke 18, 18 through 27. And this is the, we call him the rich young ruler. And uh, so we get that from the, the synoptic gospel. Synoptic meaning, you know, sin, similar, optic view, similar view. So you have the three, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And you have John, which is, he's, it's, it's a different viewpoint. It's a different place. So, um, so we, we get these, this terminology, the rich young ruler, from all three of the, gospel, the synoptic gospels. In this, Luke, uh, we see that, yes, he's extremely rich. It says it later. Um, but this is the only place where it says that he's a ruler. You know, so a little history, you know, just like to give little tidbits. I have a bunch of little tidbits on this one. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so, they, they, the, Matthew and Mark both refer to this person as young and rich, and only Luke calls him a ruler. Now, a ruler at the time would probably have been a member of the Sanhedrin. You know, he would have been probably a Pharisee, too, because of the question that he asks Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but there were two main sects of, um, like, leaders, Jewish leaders at the time of Jesus, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And there's a good way to remember which one, which one believed in the supernatural aspects of religion, which were the Pharisees, and the, the ones that didn't, the Sadducees. It's sad, you see, that they don't believe in, like, heaven or eternal life or things like that. So the fact that he asked this, this question about eternal life would suggest that he was probably a Pharisee. 
And so he was probably in that position. Now he was young also, which is kind of cool because you hear young and it's like, well, where, what does that even mean? Not that it has a lot of context to the, to the point here, but um, the ter- term used for young is philo, which refers to a 21 to 28 year old person, which is pretty cool. Now there's also that reference when uh, in Acts 7, 5, uh, 758, that uh, this is when Saul, when they, when the, uh, it was the stoning of Stephen, and Saul is referred to as, the, it says that, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, who was Paul. So he was around 21 to 28 in that time period. So little tidbits. Um, <clears throat> just, I don't know, maybe that'll help in Bible study at some point. But, uh, but it's the same term. Um, now, the, the fact also, there's one statement in here, which he says, and he calls Jesus good, good teacher. Like we would read that and probably think, well, that was probably pretty common. It wasn't common at all to call Pharisees good or teachers good, rabbis good. It was only for God. And what's interesting is that this, this young ruler probably had an eternal life idea built on some things that were extra biblical. Um, the book of Enoch, those kind of things. Because those were there. Um, and and so, they, so that term good would have been used because of that. Anyway, uh, all right, there's enough of that history there. Um, <clears throat> now we get back to it. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, so we need to co- come to God with a total submission, not just of ourselves, right, who we are, but a total submission to the plan and purpose of God. And so this, this idea here, again, we could go in a lot of different places with this, this portion. But, but I, wanna, I wanna focus on one thing, a singular focus. A sing, having a singular focus in everything that we do. So we can make a few observations here. The letter of the law without the spirit of the law misses the point, right? We, we saw that before. Matthew, that's where, it, you know, uh, in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So all the law is summed up in that. That's the, the spirit of what God's law is saying. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's the loving God and loving your neighbor, which is the point, not the letter itself. Um, So we can see that this rich young ruler, he was consumed with what he could do by the letter of the law, but it was nothing more than that, just a doing with no life. Similar to bringing your thing like the Pharisee did, but a little bit different because he's looking for eternal life. He's looking for, for, he, he has hope for something, but he's not willing to submit everything to him. Um, <clears throat> other observation is that we must be willing to cast off everything and follow Jesus. When we come to him, we must die to ourselves to live. He was not willing to give up everything and follow him. The things were idols to him. That's another point of view. You know that these things were set up as idols. This is what he trusted in, was those things, um, to, to give him life. Uh, the things were idols. He was, he was um, willing to lose eternal life rather than give up the life that he had. 
And that's kind of where the singular focus comes in. The treasure in heaven wasn't as important as the treasure on earth. In John 12, 23 through 25, and Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now he's referring to his own death, but then he he opens that up and it says, whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's, the, that's where he needs to be. He wasn't willing to lose his life to gain the eternal life. So we, we must live like this also as Christians. We have to be singularly focused on God's will for every aspect of our lives. We have to be able to look ahead at the treasure the things we, we, like, we, we look at what God's plan is, what his will is, what his purpose is for everything. I, I think I referred to this already, but I think we can beat this a little bit, you know, beat it into, I got to beat it into my head. Um, but that we can, we have to disregard like what our treasure is here. All that we have here is only useful if it's useful for God. That's our job. That's who we are as Christians. We have to approach him that same way, but we have to live that way also. We have to live that way and say, everything I have, every talent I have, every, every bit of money that I have, every expectation that I have, every thought, every plan, all of these things, Lord, whatever you want, that singular focus of whatever God wants, Whatever your purpose is, whatever your plan is, I'm willing. Here you go. Whatever you want to do. Like, that's, I think, the right place for us to be. If we're there, then we're, we're, we're satisfying so many of the things we read in the New Testament. You know, giving thanks and, and um, you know, uh, trusting God in everything and and, you know, just believing him, you know, it's like, that's where it's at. If I truly believe him and trust him, then every bit of who I am is his, regardless, regardless of what happens. It's the loving God, loving, oh, we did that. Um, <clears throat> if we are serving the Lord and we have plenty, it's for the Lord to use for his glory. If we have little, it's for the Lord's glory. All that we have and all that we are, all our plans, ideas, hopes, etc., need to be submitted to the Lord's perfect will. It's not my will, but yours be done. You know, you look at this, a great example um, in the Bible, oddly enough. Um, Jesus gives us such a great example, and, and Joel referenced it uh, this morning, when he's on the cross. You know, he's like, Father, like he didn't say anything. He didn't, he didn't rail against how unfair this was. He didn't, he didn't uh, come, come down on anybody, but he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's our position. I think that's where we should be. Just in a place like that. Father, I'm in your hand. Whatever I am, I'm yours. Whatever I own is yours. Whoever I, all of my aspirations are yours. That's our position. It's a place for us to be, always. It's the treasure in heaven. It's the focus on the things above. This is a great verse. Ah, I love this. 
there's so many things in this passage in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Have you been raised with Christ? I'd encourage you guys to think about that. What that really means. Have you been raised with Christ? Have you died? Is Christ your life? This is the singular focus. It's, I, I seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I need to set my minds on those things above. So all of this down here, all of the things that I have, they're not useful unless I, see, here you go, Lord. Now, I'm not saying to just take all your stuff and sell it and give it to poor people. <laughs> you know, unless, of course, the Lord calls you to that. You know, that's, might be taking that out of context. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but but it's, it, it really is that attitude. It's, I just give it up to you, Lord. All that I am, all that I have, all of my talents, I said. This walk, ultimately, it comes down to this. Our walk... Our relationship with Christ is not about me. It's not about my plan. It's not about my salvation. It's not about my hopes and dreams. It's not about what I want, but it's about him. It's about him. He gave us his spirit to live in us. He gave us his word to guide us in truth so that we could be sanctified for him. Our lives are not in us. If we have died and Christ is our life, that's like that's where we that's where we should be thinking. That's where we should be. That's Christianity. That's what it looks like. I died to myself so that Christ could be could, could live in me. So I could have a new life in him. It doesn't mean to do nothing or hide away from the world. This means to do everything for the glory of God. The way we come to him is the same way we need to live for him. Humble, not self-righteous, contrite, not presumptuous, completely submitted to God's will and plan, giving everything to be used for his purpose and his, and his will. Um, so we have the three positions where we have to be to receive Christ and where we have to be in our walk, the position of have mercy on me, a sinner. As a child, trusting God for everything and with a singular focus that it's all about him and his plan and his purpose. It's not about me. And uh, so that's that. So we've been perfect. We got like 10 minutes. I was hoping, actually, I'd like to present this to you. If you don't know the Lord, bless you. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't have a relationship with him, I would encourage you to consider this because he is the only one who gives life. You have nothing 
in, in this world without Christ. You, you may think you gain everything if you were rich or whatever, but you, you have nothing. You don't have life. We need life. We need our sins forgiven. We need to be made new in Christ. And it's not, in, like I said, an easy call. You need to die and receive the life of Christ. That's what it's about. Die to yourself, receive Christ. So if you're not, you know, if you're not saved, if you don't have that relationship with him, I would encourage you to you know, come up afterwards and talk to us, talk to the elders. Aaron, um, I don't think Kurt and um, George are here, Steve, you know, and a lot of other people are here who can walk you through the gospel. So <laughs> John, you know, Joel, you know, so uh, um, I'm not going to start calling out names because I'm going to forget somebody and then somebody's going to be offended. All you, all you people get so offended so easy. I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but also I want to, to call people up. Um, Aaron, if you're cool with this, if you've got time. Um, well, if you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for healing, if you need prayer for, for um, maybe wisdom or whatever, whatever, we'd encourage you to come up, you know, and, uh, and let's, uh, let's pray for you. you know, so, all right, let's close this. Lord, I just thank you so much for, again, for your, your church, for your word, for your, your spirit, for all that we have in you. It's, it's, uh, it's mind-blowing. So I would just praise you, Lord. You're so good. So <clears throat> I just lift this um, morning up to you, the rest of this day. I pray that we can all be um, just living the best way that we can to honor you, Lord, in every single thing that our attitudes would be right, our thoughts would be right, that there would be complete, uh, there, would be, there would be continual changes in each one of us to look more and more like you by your, your sanctifying work of your Holy Spirit, that it would be evident by our good fruits that this church would be filled with, with people who are shining, shining and bearing an immense hundredfold amount of fruit and that the people around would see it and we would gain the opportunity to uh, speak into their lives and share the truth with them. So I pray your blessing on uh, every family here, on, um, on every person here. And I thank you for all that you've given us. In the name of Jesus, amen. <clears throat> Thank mm-hmm. you.